hello and welcome back to the unqualified historian with the most unqualified of all me becca so i have no idea what made me go for this topic i just i just didn't want it to be too obvious and now i've gone completely rogue but and this might be a bit weird not really sure what it says about me I really enjoyed researching this topic and I feel like it's really, I feel like I've done some profesh research here. So what do we know about Victorian workhouses? Well, if it ain't in Oliver Twist, I don't know it. And I'm going to be honest, I've never seen or read Oliver Twist. I just remember vague snippets and things a bit here and there. I might have watched it at primary school because I do remember we did do Victorian times at primary school and we even had like a day where we had to pretend we were at a Victorian school. But obviously, I don't think we really learnt about like the workhouses. Maybe we did. So I always think that they're in mills. Like grey, bleak, massive mills and you're just being worked to death basically. So, is that true? Let's find out. In Britain, a workhouse was where those who could not financially support themselves were offered accommodation and employment. And although we often think of them as being Victorian, the origin of the workhouse can actually be traced back to the late 1300s. After the Black Death wiped out a third of the population, there was naturally a shortage of labour. And then they reduced the movements of labourers, like they restricted them. So you couldn't go off to another town and look for work. Because if different areas were competing to employ people, then they'd increase their wages because they'd be fighting over the people that were there to labour. And God forbid anyone increases the wages. I mean, I'm sure there's an economic reason as to why they can't, but still it makes the eyes roll. Supporting the poor was worsened by our mate Henry VIII after he dissolved all those monasteries. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then please do go listen to the Henry VIII episode. The monasteries were obviously providing charity, and times were pretty bleak. So then in the Elizabethan days, parishes collected money from householders to use as handouts, and the workhouse grew under this system. It was somewhere people could go where they couldn't get by with a handout, because they'd need multiple, like the elderly, chronically ill, orphans, anyone that needed a refuge that would look after them, basically. But it would also deal with the people who were able to work, but didn't have employment and weren't earning money. So instead of a handout, they could be offered a place in this institution where they worked for their board and their living, basically. It was basically a test of their poorness, because if they went in, then they were deserving. About one in five parishes were running a workhouse at the time, so that's quite a lot. Then, in the Georgian times, it evolved further under the Workhouse Test Act 1723, and they created a blueprint for what a workhouse should look like and be. This meant anyone seeking poor relief had to enter a workhouse and undertake a set amount of work, usually for no pay, because obviously they were getting their board and lodging. This also led to the Relief of the Poor Act in 1782, which was proposed by Thomas Gilbert, and this was intended to allow parishes to share the cost of relief by joining it together to form unions, which were known as Gilbert Unions. They could build and maintain larger workhouses to accommodate the elderly and the infirm. Then there was a bit more trouble. By 1832, the amount spent on poor relief had risen to £7 million a year from £2 million in 1784. So, in 50 years. <sighs> that doesn't seem like a lot. 
So in 50 years, following the economic downturn after the Napoleonic Wars. So what's that? So like, 50 years seems a long time for the economy to change. What was 50 years ago from now? 1970. Okay, so I checked and £1 million in 1970 would be £12 million now. So actually it doesn't seem that bad. I don't know. Again, I don't understand economics. Maybe it was different in the 1700s. Who knows? Money isn't even any real. Anyway, there were also developments in agriculture that meant less labour was needed and there were some bad harvests. And people suspected that the poor relief system was being abused. So in 1832, the government established a royal commission to investigate and recommend how relief could be better given to the poor. So they created the Poor Law Amendment Act 1834, also known as the New Poor Law. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Parishes were grouped into poor law unions and they were to have a union workhouse. So, now we have a brief background as to how they came into fruition. Let's look at what went down and if there's any truth to what Dickens portrays in Oliver Twist. Well, firstly, Oliver Twist was published in 1837 and it's talking about pre-1834 parish workhouses. So the workhouses before the new poor law. The boys in the book exist on gruel, but the workhouse diet was more than this, which we'll go into later. And they didn't sell children, but older children were offered apprenticeships, but the workhouse had to pay the employer to take them on. Apparently Dickens did visit a few workhouses, and in articles and papers he was very complimentary about them. So I kind of just feel like he's just made a caricature, perhaps, of what the rich thought of them at the time or something. To be entitled to enter a workhouse, you had to live in the catchment area. So in the parish or later on one of the unions. You couldn't just turn up. There were set officers that would visit each parish or union on set days. So you'd go queue, tell them your story and hope for a handout. But you'd likely be offered the warehouse. You weren't sent or sentenced. It was always an offer. And if you took them up on the offer and you'd make your way, have your details taken, have a medical. And because infectious diseases like smallpox were rife, you'd be quarantined for a bit. They took your possessions, likely fumigated them, and stored them for you. You were provided with workhouse clothing, which was, like, lots of places say it was a uniform. But they would just buy whatever clothing they could in bulk. So, you know, you weren't always necessarily wearing the same things as everyone else. And it did tend to vary what they had from workhouse to workhouse. And this was often viewed as dehumanising, but like the people going there didn't have their poor. They're like the poorest of the poor. So they don't have suitable clothing and they mo- like most often just only have the clothing on their backs. So if they're going to need to wash their clothes, what are they going to wear when they're currently in the wash? You know, who knows? Families would be separated as there were different categories within the workhouse. Uh, so you had like male and female can work, male and female elderly or can't work under 17 male and female, under 7 male and female. For the most part, you were confined to each section. Officially, it was to maintain discipline and ensure the notion elegance took place. Um, but also, like, it should be a deterrent. You shouldn't want to be there. You know, it's providing a charitable service to help people, but, like, they don't want people to just come willy-nilly. Parents could see their children at official daily appointments, which was supervised, which seems massively harsh, to be honest. And on Sunday afternoons, one parent at a time could see a child in the dining hall, which 
again, seems massively harsh, but the goal was that it wasn't an attractive place, but it wasn't a horrible place. Discipline was enforced in the workhouse for minor offences, offences, such as swearing or feigning sickness. If you are found breaking the rules, you could have your diet restricted for up to two days. For more serious offences, such as insubordination or violent behaviour, you could be confined for up to 24 hours. Girls were punished in the same way as adults, but in some older cases, girls were also beaten or slapped. Um, boys under the age of four could be beaten with a rod or other instrument, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, what's the difference between boys? Like, why weren't the adults beaten then? I, just, I think it's weird. Victorians are weird. Each union was ran by a board of guardians comprising of representatives from each of the participating parishes, so, like, typically farmers or tradesmen. Every workhouse had full-time staff, offered often referred to as the indoor staff. At their head was the governor or master who was appointed by the board of guardians and his duties were laid out in a series of orders issued by the poor law commissioners. As well as the overall administration of the workhouse, masters were required to discipline anyone as necessary and to visit each ward twice daily, typically at 11am and 9pm, which sounds sus to me when you're visiting the female wards at 9pm. Female inmates, yeah, they called them inmates, which I don't really like. I think that sounds really horrible. Um, and children under seven were the, under the responsibility of the matron. Oh, okay, so maybe she was visiting them at 11 and 9. That sounds less creepy. And the general housekeeping was also the responsibility of the matron. The master and matron were usually a married couple charged with running the workhouse. Daily life would depend on your category. If you were able to work, you'd be up at 6am for breakfast and washing, work 7 to 12, an hour for lunch and work until 6pm. The elderly infirm would get up slightly later, but they had a real shit time of it. They'd just go in a room and read a few books. No work was done on a Sunday. It was church services and Bible study all get together with the kids if you have them. Work-wise, women did domestic work, so cleaning, cooking, sewing, laundry... The men did more demanding work like stone breaking for shingle or oakum picking, which is picking apart ropes from like the ship to their raw fibres. It was monotonous work, but they weren't allowed to compete with local industries. So if you were a trader, you couldn't do your trade, but you could help out around the workhouse. Like if you were a carpenter and a step was broken, you could fix it. And you probably would, because let's be honest, what else is there to do? Children were given an education. Now, I've seen two different accounts of this. So one account is like their education was really bad because the teachers were poorly trained, poorly treated, and they often just left quickly because the kids just didn't care and didn't want to learn. And then I've seen other accounts, the children were taught like reading, writing and arithmetic, which was more than they learned on the outside some kids and people were really kicking off that this was the case. So... I guess both things went down. I guess some workhouses, it'd be a bit of shit. Some workhouses, it would be amazing and better than the outside, maybe. Uh, from the 1840s, they sent them to industrial schools to make them employable doing work that would suit that area, such as boot making, spinning, carpentry, etc. In 1904, the Registrar General, so the people in the... I'm going to say Britain, um, who do, like birth, marriage and death certificates and decided that from then on if you were born into a workhouse it wouldn't appear on your birth certificate so that stigma wouldn't follow you around you'd just have like 
the town or something instead. Food-wise, the infamous gruel did exist. It's basically just half-strength porridge, though. So there was a workhouse cookery book issued to them, and the porridge was four ounces of oatmeal to a pint of water um, with some salt. But gruel was two ounces of oatmeal to a pint of water and a bit of treacle, which, to be honest, I feel like I'd prefer that. It would likely be gruel for breakfast and supper and usually bread and cheese for lunch. Um, But, like, a few days maybe three times a week there would be like a meat dinner so you did get food and apparently a lot of food did get wasted because basically everyone had the same rations including the children and the elderly and they couldn't eat the portions that had to be given to them because it was their ration so it doesn't seem like people were starved at all and obviously if you need them to work you're gonna want to feed them Workhouses were pretty clean because the people that lived there would clean them. Bedding was washed every fortnight. They had a washroom. Um, some even had baths, which for Victorian times was very well to do. But it's not, I don't think they had a bath like all the time. I think they just had it very rarely. They had infirmaries because outside medical resource was like a voluntary A&E, apparently. The nursing was typically done by the elderly females inside the workhouse. And these elderly females were getting high off their own supply. So basically, if you got sick in the workhouse, you were a bit screwed. There was a big push from the 1860s onwards in London to improve workhouse medical care. Florence Nightingale was very involved in lots of medical journals pushed, published bad accounts of like what was happening. So there was uproar in places. Workhouse infirmary buildings were put up and trained nurses were put in place. And in the 1880s onwards, if you were poor outside the workhouse and couldn't afford a doctor, you'd be packed off to the workhouse infirmary for any treatment you needed. It became the local hospital for poor people and the medical facilities expanded and it made a massive contribution to the public health system and eventually the NHS. Workhouses were used by local employers as potential sources of labour when labour was scarce and it would get some people out. In agricultural areas, there was seasonal work, but in the winter it dried up, so they would be back in the workhouse. Some people trudged around the country looking for work, stopping at workhouses overnight, and every workhouse had small provisions for people who were looking for work across country. If you wanted to leave the workhouse, you absolutely could. You couldn't just walk out the door, though. They seemed to make it a bit hard. Like, I think I think they just really started to love paperwork at this point, though, by the looks of things. Um, so basically if you were wearing clothes from there and you left, you could be charged with stealing. So people saw it as a sign of control for people coming and going, but you did only need to give like a few hours notice. So you could be like, I want to leave today by lunch. And then they'd get your own clothes back to you, complete some paperwork and you'd be gone. Um, and if a parent wanted to leave, the children had to go as well to make sure that they weren't abandoned. Apparently, Charlie Chaplin stayed in a workhouse and said he and his half-brother returned to the workhouse after being sent to an industry school and he was met at the gate by his mother dressed in her own clothes because she was so desperate to see them again. She discharged them all um, and they spent the day together playing in the park, visiting coffee shops and when they were done, she readmitted them all. So, fair enough. For some people, particularly elderly or chronically sick, if you went in, you were going to stay there for the rest of your life. You could leave if you felt capable, but you're probably going to be there forever. 
Some people would use the workhouse as a lodging. They just turn up on a Monday, stay a few days, leave, and then come back the next week. Um, they'd check in like dozens and dozens of times a year. Um, but in the 1870s, they, they wised up to this and the rules changed. So if you'd been in within the last month, you couldn't come back until like X date. These people could be the bane of the staff's lives because of all the paperwork. And it would just be a bit of a faff, to be fair. The main problem with the workhouse is it's a bit of a trap. Because if you go into the work... So if you're like, oh, I can't feed my family. Like, I don't have any money, we're too poor. Let's go to the workhouse and, like, at least, you know, we'll get fed. But then how do you get back out? They don't give you a handout when you leave to set you up you'd have to find work through the workhouse because they're not going to help you get back into society so you can really understand why people really just didn't want to go in the first place because once you're in you're in and you can't really get out I feel like it's a bit like prison really isn't it there's no like rehabilitation back into work or life it's like, oh, you're poor, yep, sure, come here, we'll look after you if you work for us. But then you're stuck. So I can understand why people didn't want to go in the first place. And obviously there was a big stigma around going there. Um, and I bet there really was because, you know, Victorians are just assholes. Uh, in the 1930s, the control of the workhouses passed from the boards of the guardians to the local councils, who didn't do much. They closed some revamped some and called them like public assistance associations and these continued on until 1948 when the public systems act and the nhs appeared uh, they typically stayed on as council run old people's homes or became nhs hospitals which i think is pretty cool so overall it seems like the media likes to portray them as a grim cruel place but i guess it was literally like working and boarding somewhere like just really boring work and you're not earning any money you're just stuck in a bit of a cycle i definitely wouldn't advocate for them to come back in such a way but they're not as bad as i thought they were um and it doesn't seem like people were treated horrific i mean i guess if you're beaten and stuff that's pretty horrible but that's only because you've just been a knob or hurt someone so We'll see. I'm sure there's like loads of bad accounts of things that have happened in workhouses, but these are the facts, man. <laughs> these are the facts that I found. So I hope you enjoyed this one. It's something a little bit different and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.